I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To another episode of the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In this episode, we are nearing the end of the year. So the normal format of weekend review, main event, and film faves goes out the window because it is our... 2021 roundup episode this is where shannon and i round up as many movies as we can before our end of year or year in review episode trying to review as many movies as we can typically it's upwards of 10 films that we are reviewing we review them broadly we don't have spoiler sections so we give our thoughts on the films without talking about spoilers, things that occur 20 minutes at, into the movie or uh, that are not on trailers. And we give our, our scores, whether or not so we think the good outweighed the bad. So first of all, we will start with a movie that I saw and uh, finished. And that film is The Power of the Dog. Twenty-five years since our first run together. Nineteen hundred and nothing. It's a long time. What you doing? Getting mixed up with her. You are marvelous, Rose. We were married someday. Little lady made these. I did, sir. Well, Brother Phil? Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. Another man. <laughs> A man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? Peter! If I did not save her. Lonesome place out here, Pete. Unless you get in the swing of things. This is Jane Campion's first film in something like 13 years, I believe. She did the Top of the Lake TV series, of course, that Shan is familiar with. Yeah, I really liked season two. There you go. But she hasn't done a feature film since Bright Star, which I believe came out sometime in the late 2000s. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, 
Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith McPhee as the principal players. It's about a charismatic rancher, Phil Burbank, who inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them. And uh, I will leave it there because the IMDb description gets weird from there. <laughs> that I don't necessarily think coheres with the film. So, Shanna, I finished this film alone because you and I watched the first 90 minutes of its two-hour-plus runtime. And neither of us were honestly feeling it. And it made me think, you know, Jane Campion's work, I know I've seen The Piano. I might have seen one or two other films of hers. I'm not a huge Campion champion, you could say. Hmm. So it made me wonder, like, maybe I'm just not into her movies. Because this movie takes its time and you kind, it kind of feels like not... Not a lot is happening or going anywhere, per se. And it feels like a especially a, a, a showcase for Benedict Cumberbatch to play something different for him as, as a rancher towards, I think it's 1912 that this takes place, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. You especially felt similar, so you pieced out. But I had heard, oh, like, but when you get to the last 10 minutes of the movie, oh. then everything's different and you're, it's all recontextualized and it's a whopper. So I finished the film. Should I go back to it and get those last 10 minutes back? Well, it, it's, it's a half an hour that was left when you walked out um, or we cut off. But what? We stopped watching it because we had a fight. See, I, I don't I, I don't hang on to those kinds of things. You just No, I, you're just not my remembering. Love, my love you're for you is so strong mm, that they roll mm, off mm, my mm, back. Mm, mm, mm. Even the important stuff I say rolls off your back, so <laughs> no, you don't get to say it's love. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, in terms of the power of the dog, you're asking if it's worth checking out. Look, the critic reviews for this thing make it sound like it's one of the best films of the year. It's it's the greatest film of the year, what have you. I think it's fine. I think it's good. The the um the ending, okay. It has it has a punch to it, but it's it's like for me, it's not an uppercut. It's not a TKO. It's like a square punch to the chest. You know what I mean? Okay, so I should not go back. I don't know that you, if you felt the way you're feeling at the point that you're feeling, I don't know that you would be a hundred percent one over. Cause I feel like you and I were on the same level. I think Jesse Plemons is fantastic in it. Yeah. Cause when isn't Jesse Plemons fantastic? Exactly. And I think Benedict Cumberbatch is good as well, but the movie is a, a fairly like flatline kind of film it really does require your patience and I'm not sure, you know, some movies they're able to test your patience for an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, 50 minutes. And then those last 10 minutes are like big enough to make it all worthwhile. There's a movie that we saw earlier this year that kind of felt that way. And I can't remember what it was, but I have that feeling where I was like, Oh, now I love it. I don't think that's the case with the power of the dog. I think it's fine. 
I think it's Jane Campion, so I don't know if she's capable of making shit, you know? So everything looks good, everything's well-directed, everything's mannered, but it's a 6 out of a 10 movie for me. Okay. Did you have any thoughts, though, that you wanted to share from what little you saw? I thought, look, um, even though I checked out, I had other things on my mind, uh, so that's why I checked out. It wasn't gripping me enough, but I was interested to see how it would go. There were some... You know, some of the characters were really interesting. It's just it was a very slow, very quiet film. And I just need to approach it another day. Fair enough. But I'm fairly cool on The Power of the Dog, which is available on Netflix. And doesn't involve a dog, right? Right? No, I will say no, it does not. But there is a line of dialogue that uses the title that tries to thematically make the title make sense. Okay. But it's in the last 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> or even the last minute of the movie, I would say. Anyway, so that's those are our thoughts on The Power of the Dog. All right, so moving on to movies that both of us watched and completed. First is King Richard. We got to watch this on HBO. Yes, we decided not to go to the theater. We could have gone to the theater to see this, but we did not. Since it is a Warner Brothers movie, we decided just to watch it on HBO Max. This is a two and a half hour biopic, or sort of like biopic, based on true true events story. Directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, starring Will Smith, Ingenue Ellis, John Bernthal, with uh Sonier Sydney, also worth uh mentioning, and Demi Singleton. Appearances by Tony Goldwyn and others occur. This is a ba- about basically the story of Venus and Serena Williams' childhood and their father, uh, who is championing them and trying to give them the opportunities or talk people into getting his daughters the opportunities they needed that got their career started Mm. and how he went about doing that and his management style and such. Shannon, what did you think of Keen Richard? I've been talking for a little bit, so I'm going to let you talk a bit first with regards to this film. Yeah, what did you think of the film? My general thoughts is that it was a fine film. The performances were fairly good. I don't necessarily think that any of them are Oscar-worthy, but I did enjoy seeing everyone uh, in the film. I think the story was interesting. It was almost very (laughs) secret-inspiring. There's a line of dialogue in the trailer where Richard says, I have a 12, something like a 12-page plan for my daughters before they were born. And I just thought that that was very funny and very, what do you call it, manifestation memo Mm. Mm -hmm. inspiring. Mm -hmm. So that was great. I I loved the mom who is, I love Ingenue Ellis. I, of course, love seeing John Bernthal Bernthal, uh, whenever he's around. And very different role for John Bernthal. Yeah, it was odd. I was like, Uh. are you going to do something wrong? What are you up to? (laughs) Well, his his hairdo was odd too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know a lot about tennis. I do know that the the Williams sisters were very popular in South Africa, and uh, especially among the black communities, as well as you know anyone that you know 
identified as female. It was very exciting. And I like that you could hear a name or two being said, like uh, Anna Kornikova got mentioned. Oh, yeah. We yeah. didn't really see her. I think it was like a distant shot. And that uh -huh. was kind of nice because I'm sure if you're a tennis person, you're going to know, uh, you're probably going to recognize people in the background. So there was a lot of, you know, building happening there. But this was a fine film. Yeah, if you're a tennis fan, you probably are, are able to track the the series of events, the history of events, and where it tracks in the timeline of things. I, I think what's interesting about this film is it is not a conventional biopic about the Williams sisters or about Richard Williams either. It's not really a story about the either them and their lives like a typical biopic is it's not even about necessarily a week in either of their lives like the focus is is like okay so first of all people might be like who haven't seen the film might be like well why is it king richard why isn't it just like a movie about the sisters i think if you think about all the biopics and the history of biopics like 90 percent of them are created at the end of or after the death of the subjects. Well, or their career you know. is done, you know, like they've retired or whatever. What's well, so, a good example of that? Well, what about, is it Billie Jean? Yeah, Billie Jean King, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like 90%. There's like a couple exceptions I can think of. Coal Miner's Daughter, the one you just, the Battle of the Sexes. Ray was being made as Ray Charles was dying and he saw a cut of it before he died, that sort of thing. But most are created after and tell the story freely. They have more freedom to tell someone's story. Yeah. No one in this film that is the main characters or focus of this film are, are dead. And thus, I don't think the movie is necessarily quote-unquote about them. I think it's really more using Richard Williams as a means to tell an, a story about how important the support of a parent, be it a father or a mother, the un, unrelenting support of a parent towards a talented child. Yeah, because as Richard is going and trying to get a coach, trying to get sponsorship, I guess, like he's getting rejected a lot mm -hmm. and he just keeps going. He just keeps going and he keeps making new material. And, uh, you know, this is his life. Well, it's not just that it's like there, he's constantly told that the odds are against him, that the, that his daughters are really that good. And let alone like just one, I mean, just one of the daughters, let alone both daughters happen to be as good as he's saying. And, you know, and, and there's some, it does touch on a certain degree of racism or prejudice that might be inherent in the sport too, from anybody who has the power to give somebody a chance. It doesn't really lay it on thick, but it is there. And it also gives you an idea of how, what kind of person Richard is and how he would respond to such things too, which was not necessarily the most charismatic, right? But, yeah, so I largely see this as a, a means to tell a kind of story that we don't really see in film very often, which is 
how yes there is the person who becomes a thing who becomes an important figure in history of whatever their field is but there's the people who helped make that possible in the first place and that is often usually one or both of the parents yeah um i like that there was between the two parents you know we saw how each parent was supporting each girl if not all five girls Mm -hmm. never mind just two of them and that was interesting but it was also i liked seeing them tag team and you know they would there would be some some confrontation between the parents about that about how to go about it yeah how far to go and like you know they're both on the same team they're on the team of their daughters yeah and sometimes it doesn't you know one interprets the other one not being there so I liked it. Mm. I thought that, you know, seeing this, it's probably the nicest sporting parent you could probably ever have. Which which one? Both the parents. Uh, uh-huh. And I like that they made reference to other parents who were just harsh little assholes t- to their children. So, you know, there's also the whole he's 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 training his girls and he's making sure all five of them are busy and doing well in school or sport, whatever it is. And there are other outside factors that are trying to interfere with that, like men driving around that are looking for trouble Mm. and he's trying to keep them out of that trouble. And it must be extremely difficult to protect a daughter, never mind five of them, Mm -hmm. from something like that. So I would rate this probably... Uh, I want to say a 6 out of 10. There's just mm. a few things that don't land very well for me. Anything and that you can say broadly? Is it stuff about particular characters or how things are written? Maybe it's a pacing thing. Mm. I'm not really sure if I can even verbalize it. It's just the feeling that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I give it a 7 out of 10. It's not one of the year's best movies, but it is actually it, far from mediocre and it is very interesting and it's well-performed. So those are our thoughts on King Richard, which you can find, uh, I think still on HBO max, if I'm not mistaken. Our next movie is red notice. Nolan Booth the second most wanted art thief in the world. Special Agent John Hartley, FBI. Hi guys. How'd you find me? You stole William Strang's lady with the red hat from the tape. You can't prove that was me. I got that on Etsy. I want you to help me catch the most wanted art thief in the world. The bishop. Hello, boys. It's so nice to finally meet you in person. She set me up. Frame me. A few clever keystrokes and bye-bye, Adrian John Hartley. She's gonna steal Cleopatra's eggs. They're priceless. If we catch her together, I can clear my name, and I'll help you become the number one thief in the world again. Lift with your neck. Even if I did partner up with you, you still only have one brain. What's the plan, son of a... 
there because of the pandemic actually this movie was supposed to come out i believe in 2020 and got delayed in its release and i think it got shifted to netflix it was supposed to be a full theatrical release and then if i recall correctly it got shifted to netflix could be wrong about that but that's what i recall this is about an interpol agent tracking the world's most wanted art thief that Interpol agent is played by Dwayne Johnson. The most wanted art thief is played by Ryan Reynolds. And Gal Gadot plays a role as well. It's directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber. Okay, so Shanna, this is a movie, like I just said, with Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. How could this go wrong? Was this as much fun as you expected it to be? with those leads no i was not a huge fan of this movie i guess i just felt it was a little slow and superficial at times i wanted more from it and it was really predictable Mm. i anticipated what was happening as soon as each character appeared on screen i knew what was going to happen with them Mm. So I was rather bored. I was rather bored. Something that was supposed to be a surprise was really clearly coming straight for me and was obvious. Mm. So I, I like I like the talent. Mm. I would have loved to have enjoyed them, all three of them in this in a movie together. I didn't. Mm. What did you think? This is this is very clearly a four quadrant targeted everybody can enjoy popcorn movie sort of experience and i think that this film fails on almost every level (laughs) okay good i i think that it tries to get by and relies too much on the talent 
And, and that's and, just that's just wrong. You know, so like it expects the just the that that the three people are going to create enough charisma that the writing doesn't matter nearly as much, or anything else matter mm. nearly as much. <sighs> okay, so first of all, Gal Gadot is seems to be only in about a quarter of this film's hour fifty minute or so runtime, and unfortunately. It actually made me question Gal Gadot's acting chops, because I love Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fine in the one or two faster Fast and Furious movies I saw her in, huh. but I don't think I've seen anything else that she's starred in. And so, like, this is new territory, and and and, and I don't know, man. <sighs> I, I would like to see her in a non-action driven movie and see and to really test her acting chops. But I think maybe she's more of a star than an, a quote unquote actor. At least that's the impression I got from this movie. And it really kind of bummed me out because <laughs> I love Gal Gadot, yeah. you know? Yeah. I felt like Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson were themselves. You know, mm. and and you're right. It it looks bad for Gal Gadot, and I love her. I love her as Wonder Woman, but maybe that's all I see her as, and that's kind of sad on my part because I feel kind of bad for that because I want to enjoy her in in all the ways, but I just I don't think that she works in this film. I don't think the movie is completely unwatchable. I think it's one of those movies that if you don't give two shits. It's totally watchable and is fine. Your mileage may vary in terms of how fun it is. And also, the biggest problem I had with it especially is I think the third act, the movie just goes way off the rails. And it it tries to create all these different twists and big surprises with the characters. And I didn't buy any of them Mm. for a second. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay if ryan reynolds is dressed as deadpool i'm like you can do anything to him he'll be fine but when ryan reynolds does not have that suit and he's standing next to Dwayne johnson mm. and gal gadot i'm like ryan reynolds is the first one that's gonna die mm. you know in my opinion he's mm. the one that if he were to stub his toe he's gonna die of an <laughs> infection or something you know but the other two could like do whatever and they'll be fine i mean i suppose what do you rate the film? Ugh, like a three. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I'm <laughs> ranking movies higher than you so far. Isn't that I, I must be having a very cynical month. <laughs> I I give this film a four out of ten. Okay, well, not glowing, generous. not glowing for me, but a four out of ten. This is. I think people could skip this one, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, this is definitely among the my twenty worst, the twenty worst movies I've seen this year so far. So yeah, that's our thoughts on Red Notice, which you can find on Netflix. Next up, and in more than one ways, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have The French Dispatch, the latest Wes Anderson film. Is a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a tw- in a fictional 20th century French city. 
that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. This film stars Deep Breath. Oh, wow. You're going to do it? I'm going to do it, baby. All right. Good luck. Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Leah Sado, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, or Timothée Chalamet, as I've heard, Lena Kudry, Jeffrey Wright, Mattel Malrick, apologies, guys, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Bob Balaban, I can pronounce that name, Henry Winkler, Lois Smith, Tony Tony Revolori, that just rolls off the tongue. And more! There's got to be like 10 to 20 stars in this movie. It's insane. All right. So this film is slightly different from Anderson's normal fare in that it is an anthology film of three stories. Yeah. Uh, I think as told by or about three journalists. Well, three journalists represent the stories. Okay. So it's it's basically the story that they were working on. All right, Shanna. Did you like the French Dispatch? <laughs> we're not doing good so you're, far. You're a little worried there. <laughs> yeah. You sound worried. Well, we're 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 on a uh oh and three uh, win loss <laughs> record here for you. <laughs> Look, we all know Wes Anderson can create beautiful films. We all know that he has a very particular style and he stays true to that style in this film. The only new thing, I think, is he, he goes from live action to animation. Yeah. And he also separates the three anthologies, mostly, by the first one, you know, when the journalist is talking about it, it's happening in black and white, but then it'll switch to the journalist who takes the format of presenting basically a slideshow. Uh, it reminds me of my art days because um, she's rip- talking about an artist. Mm. And uh, that was very interesting. And then the second one, I believe, is pretty straightforward film filming. And then the, the third one incorporates some animation to help with the, keep the story moving and, and look crazy. Now, let me see here. I'm trying to remember. Keep them all straight. Remember, oh, okay. I think I think the second one is in is not the second one in black and white as well. Oh, maybe it is. With uh, Timothy Chalamet and Francis uh, No, I think it was Muted Colors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a color palette choice, not necessarily changed on the saturation bar or anything like that. It's been a week and a half since and, we watched it. Yeah, that was the Timothy Chalamet about some sort of protest. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was about a policeman and his son and the journalist going with them mm-hmm. on an adventure basically mm-hmm. to... a kidnapping occurs yeah wow it sounds like i thrive off of kidnapping stories <laughs> wow anyway you know so coming out of the film i felt well that was very wes anderson and that's nice and i kind of felt a little bored <gasps> but then when i started well, just calm down but then when i started thinking about it i was like okay well which of the three did i really like in addition to basically the fourth part where you know, they're talking about Bill Murray's passing, which I believe is revealed in the trailer. And it's in the first minute yeah. or two. It's yeah. the framing device of the film, I believe. Yeah. And so all these journalists are working together to to basically honor Bill Murray. Not Bill Murray, the actor, but his character. Yes. I'm so sorry. Well, yeah. why don't we just honor both? <laughs> 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 so I think 
each story had something interesting going on. I think the one I like the least is the middle one with uh, Francis McDormand and Timothy Chalamet. Hmm. I prefer the first one and the third one. The first one, I it just it's kind of nostalgic and reminds me of art school. I was in art school for five years, hmm. and the third one was interesting. I liked how uh, Wes Anderson was using animation he used and animation as a device to kind of do dramatic stuff yes and it wasn't his stop motion animation that he's done before right no this was illustration animation and to reflect maybe the illustrator of the magazine right yeah it was that particular style i believe mm-hmm. so i loved obviously the act all the all the boxes are checked the cinematography lighting color palette choices mediums all the devices used to help move the story along. I wasn't bored for a single second, and I thought it was really good quality. Okay. So I think this film is exquisite. That was like the word that uh, just kept coming to mind probably starting two-thirds of the way through. Exquisite. The compositions are extraordinary. The production design is just perfect. The cinematography are is gorgeous. All of these things are gorgeous. And it's a it, from a technical level, this film is among the best of the year. This thing has a huge cast. I only scratched the surface, I feel like, with the cast. There are people who are big names who show up in this film to to be a bit part like not even like to do juicy a juicy role like like Elizabeth Moss she's in the movie for like sped throughout maybe a total of 5 to 10 minutes you know yeah you know there's a lot of people there's Griffin Dunn has an appearance in the movie and you don't even necessarily recognize that Griffin Dunn's in the movie like it's extraordinary who how many people are just willing to show up at this point in a Wes Anderson movie. They don't even have to be important to the <laughs> overall story or whatever. They they can just be part of the table dressing and they're happy to be there, I guess. That's that to me is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. But this is an exquisite tribute to writers to the written word Mm -hmm. this film actually is is dedicated to a whole list of writers like big name writers from the past like james baldwin right Mm. eb white Mm -hmm. so this is a film that is like all about writing and writers and the the art of the written word Mm -hmm. and i I couldn't get emotionally connected or invested in it. I will say that. But I um, did appreciate the hell out of this movie. And uh, I think it's definitely a contender. In a great year, I think it's a contender for one of the best movies of the year. Mm. What do you score the French Dispatch? A 7. A 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. You think the good definitely outweighs the bad, yeah. but not a great film for you. I don't know what I'm searching for this month, but I'm not finding it. So mm. I guess I just wanted extra spark, something extra oomph, I, you know, and that's not even 
helpful to anyone, but i that's what I've got, folks. Real quickly, how many Wes Anderson movies can you think of that you've seen? Probably five. Five movies. Is, is this on the... Maybe more. Okay. So is this like on the bottom of that list for you? Well, I think that it's better than the Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. But I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is definitely my favorite. There's mm. just something so magical about it, mm. you know? And I know that it's it's a team-up with Roald Dahl, but there was something magical there, and it mm. was like he was really honoring the author. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have seen all but three or four of his films. I haven't seen his first, and I haven't seen, like, two or three of his 2000s movies. I don't remember... Royal Tannenbaum's very well, but I didn't like that. I don't remember. Yeah, I agree with you. What's the one before that Rushmore? I don't remember that very well, but mm-hmm. I didn't like that at the time. Mm-hmm. I either, and I probably say Rushmore, Royal Tannenbaum's, Isle of Dogs, Grand Budapest Hotel, and the rest. Okay. And I would probably put the French Dispatch just above Isle of Dogs for me. Okay. And then, so I give the movie an eight out of ten. Those are our thoughts on The French Dispatch. Moving right along. Next film is The Harder They Fall. Proof is a buck. Man, old devil. This is going to be Buck's last day amongst the living. What exactly he do to you? Call it a professional robbery. I know who you are. That love, outlaw, hunts down those who trespass against him with no mercy. Where is he? Where is who? Your boss. My boss. Clearly, you don't know me. I heard Rufus Buck was back. So ain't no rule to ask a friend to travel. You think Destiny's coming to you? My guns go back. I can make the guns go back. A new day is dawning. Slow. This is on the head of the angel. Seeing so the father dumping the rock about to kill you. Faithful to the end. Bullets with your names, Drew. Crack back, aim, shoot. I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, you are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. Jump, mother. My guns go bang. I can make the guns go bang. She ain't gonna end well for you. Really? is a western about an outlaw who discovers his enemy is being released from prison and reunites his gang to seek revenge it's directed i think it was a directorial debut if i recall by james samuel it stars jonathan majors zazie beats edie gathegi rj seiler dewanda wise julio cesar uh Cedillo, damon wayans jr Regina Keene, Lakeith Stanfield, and, of course, Idris Elba. Shanna, you're not a fan of Westerns. So, mm-hmm. yes. did you 
like this mostly black cast western? I love this one. Really? I thought this was great. Not only because of the cast, but the cinematography, the lighting choices, the story was pretty awesome. I did not see the ending coming mm. at my face like a bullet train. So that was pretty exciting and lovely. It was all very surprising uh, story-wise to me. I liked the characters. I liked what they were doing. I liked how they were trying to gain control of the situation from either end of, you know, what their goals were. And, oh, man, the cinematography was just uh, the set design and the lighting. It was all such good choices. Oh, I loved it so much. I want to go back and, and study it and, you know, maybe do something after being inspired by it but it was just lovely the poster is great it makes it look like such a gritty film but it is so pristine it is so lovely well it definitely has uh, its grit that's for sure yeah so i think this is probably my favorite one so far out of what we've reviewed mm. which is surprising because it is a western and you, a western. you don't you don't like what? i showed you one year uh, a whole syllabus mm, of westerns. You probably shouldn't have done that. Going through the history of the genre, mm -hmm. so you could see it progress. And I think we got like to to maybe the '60s before you're like, I'm done. And so I hail married yeah. Tombstone <laughs> in there, as like, if you don't like this movie, you don't like westerns. Mm. And what'd you think of it? That was a no for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's a huge no. Yeah. So to me, like definitively, I didn't even expect you to want to watch this movie. Oh, no. I'd heard a review on NPR about it mm. or someone got interviewed. I can't remember the exacts. And then seeing the cast, I got very excited. You know, this is one of those where I see the cast and I'm like, I don't fucking care what you guys are doing. Let's go see yeah. what it is. And I didn't see a trailer. I just heard what I heard. And uh, it worked out for me. Whereas something like Red Notice, it's like, oh, I'm a fan of those people. But I did not like the trailer. So it did not go well for me. So this is a movie that kicks down the door. Like right away and lets you know exactly what kind of movie you're in for. Mm. With the opening pre-title sequence and the opening title sequence, which uh, is, is very cool. Mm -hmm. Both things like I mean, it's it's like oh you're in for something here, and I haven't had this much fun with a western in a long time. I'm not even sure I had this much fun with Django Unchained. I have to rewatch Django Unchained because it's been a few years since I've seen it, and I remember being positive on that movie, but this film is an absolute blast. You know, there's certain aspects of it that's like of a certain era. You draw a line in the sand and each side has a girl or each side has a person with a particular type of characteristic. I bet you're going to see those two characters face <laughs> off or whatever, you know. It does have that element to it and it's up to you whether or not you can go along with that and enjoy it. I didn't mind it because it's been so long since I've seen a movie that did that. You know, we moved so far away from that sort of stuff that it made this one... It helped add to the fun of this movie. So I absolutely love The Harder They Fall. I think more people should be talking about it. I think it should be hitting the culture more strongly than it is. 
and people need to check this thing out. I give it an 8 out of 10. How about you? This is definitely a 9 for me. I Ooh. thought that Django Unchained was amazing, but that's kind of taken a few hits after watching this one. And oh, really? this is now my amazing Western film. Right on. Very cool. So those are our thoughts on The Heart of Fall, which is available on Netflix. Next, Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> this is also a film on Netflix. What is up with Netflix suddenly producing or grabbing up the rights grabbing, yeah. to actually good movies? You know, not that they hadn't in the past. I mean, Marriage Story and stuff, but they're usually the exception to all the stuff they firehose every year. Mm-hmm. I think I could be wrong, but I think this is also a 2020 pandemic holdover film. Uh, I'd have to re-research that uh, to be confident. But this is a musical starring Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Ship, Robin DeJesus. That's not Jesus. Well, it could be DeJesus. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I've never heard of him before. Honey, I'm pretty sure that's pronounced Jesus. All right. I will go along with that. And uh, Vanessa Hudson's uh, Judith Light, Bradley Whitford. I will stop there because I could definitely go on. This is a film that is uh, uh, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I don't know if I mentioned that before. It is his directorial feature debut. That's right. And it is both a biopic about Jonathan Larson and an adaptation of one of Jonathan Larson's musicals, Tick, Tick, Boom. Shanna, I am fairly ignorant when it comes <laughs> to Broadway and off-Broadway and show tunes and that whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually need our son here <laughs> to help us through navigate through this world. <laughs> well, okay, like I've never seen any version of cats right i didn't know the story of cats uh, well, so yeah. when we saw the movie cats weird. that yeah. was my exposure to <laughs> that cats. was so fun you were not expecting a rock opera and there it was for you and it, it was so <laughs> disappointing beyond that so i never even heard of tick tick boom the only thing to me this was a movie going into it oh it's a movie about the guy who would create rent so i'm expecting mm-hmm it's going to tell the story of this guy that led up to the creation of Rent. Mm-hmm. How familiar were you with Jonathan Larson? Did you even hear about the play Tick, Tick, Boom prior to this movie? Absolutely not. I knew nothing about him. And I'm, I'm so glad that they made this film because now I know about him. And I've never seen or listened to anything Rent-related. Mm. Uh, well, so... You've never heard Rent? At no, all? I mean, I would I would see posters and stuff, but I've never heard it. Wow. So you've never heard... Oh, God. I can't even remember the number correctly. But the the you've never heard any songs from Rent. No. Wow. Crazy. Okay. So you know... Is it fair to say that you even knew less than me going yeah, into in this? Yeah, in this case, I knew nothing. Okay. Yeah. What did you think of Tick, Tick, Boom? It was educational. You know, this is another one of those examples of artists trying to trying to get it right. You know, it's really hard to create sometimes. There's, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of examples to help illustrate my point, but I can't right now. But I grew up thinking 
for uh, for a long time that artists had it easy mm. and that it was easy for them to create something good mm. something excellent something exquisite something memorable i thought it was just easier just flowed through their eyeballs you know or fingertips whatever their medium choice was and that is just so not the case you right. know and and that's what this film illustrates so well is that you can keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and and do good work but it's not superb and it's not fantastic until you get it fantastic that was a really good example of that. I think uh, something that I would compare it to is Love and Mercy. You know, another story about an artist struggling. Not necessarily for, uh, well, I guess it's not a great comparison because he seems to just let things flow from his fingertips and it seems to just totally work. Well, um, and he starts to develop a, 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 mental, dis- uh, a mental issue too in that film. Yeah. And then that makes it a struggle. For him to connect with his art. So I thought that this was really interesting. I liked it. Tell me more about your thoughts. Well, I thought this thing... First of all, I think Andrew Garfield is extraordinary in this. Oh, yes. I did want to say the the performances were just fantastic. And you want in particular? I love Andrew Garfield. I mean, I, I kind of liked him previously mm-hmm. but it was like a lukewarm like mm-hmm. and now i'm like i am so happy you're in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah so he's leveled up in my book mm. i have always respected him because of the social network his work in that film and uh never let me go i feel yeah. like he is the, the the source of that film's power mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that i've seen a lot of of his work that I've loved since then. I, I thought he was the good thing about the amazing Spider-Man movies. So I, I, I didn't, I never had an issue with him in that regard here. He's just extremely ex- extraordinary. I mean, he's a great singing talent. He's, he does a lot of physical stuff in the musical performances. He, he's the way he's able to emote and, and, and conjure very moving emotions mm. uh in in me in the film i i think he's just ex, ex, to to be to be clear by the way this is not about the guy developing rent he's actually working on his first ever play and apparently he's taken eight years trying to write <sighs> this first ever play and so he is literally the struggling and starving artist where he's he's having to work at a diner or whatever in order to make ends meet while he's working on trying to get this play developed and and produced even trying to get someone who's willing to produce the the play yeah when you know, he comes across Stephen Sondheim in a workshop and that was an interesting addition Bradley Whitford plays Stephen Sondheim who unfortunately passed away roughly around the time of this movie was released I, I, I think he did get to see a cut of this movie so I, I think the the musical sequences are fantastic. If you are a Broadway nut, if you know anything about Broadway, you have to see this movie like right mm. away. Like you are going to flip out with some of the stuff this movie does and who shows up in this movie. Mm. It is, is an absolute geekgasm for any theater geek. Mm-hmm. 
and and I was just really thrilled by it. Just even having a cursory knowledge of, like, there's a scene where I'm like, oh, I think, I, wait, I think I know. And then that person, oh, my God. And it just kind of, <laughs> it just builds up. I do think the movie ended quite quickly, not to go into de- detail about it. It did seem like an abrupt end. It Yes. I was left wanting a little in the end because I'm like, but rent. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about it. But that's my only criticism of the of the film. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, I actually can't wait to revisit this film. And I might try to do that before I figure out my best of the year list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely a favorite of mine. Shanna, sounds like you think the good outweighs the bad in Tick, Tick, Boom. What do you score the film? I would score this an eight. Hey, yay, I'm coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, films are coming back to me. (laughs) I give this film a nine out of ten. I was blown away Mm. by Tick, Tick, Boom. You can check it out on Netflix. We have two more films to review in this 2021 roundup. Another musical, West Side Story. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life, a home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him as long as you're in my house. I'm a grown-up now, Bernardo. I'm going to think for myself. Tony. We need you if we're going to war. Who are you? Friend or foe? If you go with him, no one will ever forgive you. Basically, all that's worth noting is Steven Spielberg directed this version of West Side Story, the play that was written by Arthur Lawrence originally. Mm -hmm. And Tony Kushner helped adapt this. This film stars... And music by Steven Sondheim. Yes. uh, Sondheim. Can you find out for me the name of the choreographer of the play? Because I want to talk about that in a minute. This film stars uh, Ansel Elgort as one of the only recognizable faces to me. And Rita Marino returns 
um, in in the original 1961 movie. Of course, this movie was originally supposed to be released a year ago, but it um got delayed because of the pandemic, and now it's on the film, the original film's 60th anniversary coming out. Uh, Corey Stoll also stars Rachel Zegler, David Alvarez, Ariana DeBose, Brian Darcy James, and many others. Okay, so Shanna, let's talk about West Side Story. Yeah. First of all, have you ever seen a stage production of West Side Story? No, but when I was doing Modern Dance, we would have a play every year, and the theme one year was musical movies and we did one number from West Side Story and that happened to be America which is my favorite song from this Mm. it just makes me so happy and I would dance around in the kitchen and pretend that I was in America (laughs) so it's perfect for me (laughs) have you seen the 1961 film yes yes I watched it in preparation for that play, that musical production. Have you seen it since? No. Okay. So do you have a... So a, probably about 18 or 17 years ago. So then your memory of it might be just as vague as mine is. Mm-hmm. Did you like the film when you saw it? No, this has one of those unhappy endings, and it's not really a spoiler. It's a Romeo Juliet kind of tale. It's, it's a little yeah. different with its ending than what you would expect. But it is it is a, uh, a reframing of Romeo and Juliet yeah. originally, and it's tragic, and in yeah. the end, and yeah. yeah, it's it's not it's not a I need to watch this on repeat kind mm-hmm. of film. What mm-hmm. about you? What do you recall? I've never seen a stage production of West Side Story, mm-hmm. but look, the 1961 film is iconic in the mm-hmm. traditional sense of the word, the real sense of the word. I mean. I know, and I bet most people over a certain age knows almost the entire songbook of West Side Story. Every single song has seeped into the culture so thoroughly. As a matter of fact, you know what I I thought of often (laughs) while watching this movie? Oh, I hope that's what I'm thinking. What? I often thought while watching this, uh, this movie of or was reminded of... The pigeons from Animaniacs. Oh, that's funny. The good feathers. The good feathers. Because when they were on, the music that would play in the background was very much like Sondheim's music in West Side Story. Da 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 da. -da. (laughs) You know, and and they would. They were the Jets, huh? I think they had similar (laughs) names to some of the nicknames in in West Side Story as well. You'd have to double check me on that. Yeah. But um, that's great. I often throughout this film thought of That's really funny. the good feathers even though they're also modeled obviously on you know movies like good Fe- Fa- good fellas yes but, well i was reminded i forgot that i feel pretty was in this it, it belongs to this and mm-hmm. i kept thinking of is it anger management where they sing that song in order to cope with their aggression with adam sandler and jack nicholson yeah. i haven't seen that movie so okay. i don't know Oh, well, that's, that's, you know, talk about permeating the culture. That's how they deal with their anger. That's how they manage it is they sing, I feel pretty. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So I have seen the original film, but I did not like 
the original film. I, mm. I know it's not going to make me very popular with listeners, but I did not like the original film when I saw it. I wanted to be able to see it again in prep for this film, see it as an adult because I saw it as a late teenager originally. Mm-hmm. And I, and because of that, I couldn't even recall exactly why I didn't like the original film. So the question though is despite that mm. and, 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 and everything, it's not like I was, I, I was first of all going into this hearing it announced. I was like, why is Steven Spielberg doing that story? What is, what has he got to bring to that? He's never done a musical before. Mm. This is also very much a, a, a film about prejudice between whites and Puerto Ricans in a very specific New York neighborhood. Is it particularly the Irish against the Puerto Ricans? Maybe. There's a little bit of Irish in it, but that's that's for sure. But I don't know if all the characters are Irish okay. in particular. I, I, it's not made clear to me. Okay. But... I met them the project as a whole with skepticism. Also, while Steven Spielberg is my favorite director of all time, I think like his movies for the past 15 years or so have been kind of tepid mm-hmm. more often than not, uh, with only a couple exceptions. So I guess I will go to you and ask, like, what did you think of Spielberg's version of this story? What do you think he brought to it? Do you think he had anything to say with it? I mean, the story was, I don't want to say solid, but it was, it was pretty affirmed in showing prejudice and how letting prejudice get in the way just involves more and more killing and dying. You know, characters die in this film. And the obvious is Spielberg brought great cinematography great textures great set design his eye you know and how Mm. he wanted to tell the story with all these different visual things what's a good example of that so in the trailer you see maria is wearing a white dress with red lipstick a red clip in her hair and a red belt Mm -hmm. with a white dress i don't know if i said that Mm -hmm. and then you see tony on one side of this school hall during a dance and you see Maria on the other side and you see they are in focus and are still, mm-hmm. but everything around them is moving and it's blurred. Mm. You know, it's, it's movement blurred. It's not just, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not like how our eyes would see it typically. And, and Stephen brought that to the table. I'm sure. I know that's mm-hmm. like a cinematography thing, mm-hmm. but Stephen probably pre-visualized it and was like, go <laughs> to mm. deliver my vision and colors like, Anita in her sewing room with all these different colors mm. of, I can't remember what kind of fabric it is, but it's the somewhat see-through one, but not necessarily mm-hmm. chiffon uh, fabrics hanging up. You know, when you see Maria come out onto the fire escape, you see different colors of the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a fabric thing as well as a lighting gel thing. So uh, look, those are the obvious things. And these are things that you kind of see typical of spielberg's work yeah and something about brick spielberg and brick Mm. and cement in in the sense that in this movie you see a lot of ruins well spielberg is also really good at 
a particular time frame, right? Hmm. Not necessarily just the 80s or the 70s, but like if you give him a time frame, he seems to execute that very well, especially in the details. So you saw a Milky Way packaging of that time. You saw, oh, who else was it? Baking powder, you know, the baking powder that we all buy Mm -hmm. um, that's been around for, you know, decades. So he's in the details, so anyway, I'm rambling on because it's Spielberg and how can you not? And I'm going to try and refocus here. But I liked it. But I, I just, I think Spielberg was a, a, a good pick for this. But at the same time, I'm like, well, who of Latin descent mm-hmm. could we have had? And I'm not necessarily sure of what the answer is there, but that was something to consider. Mm. I like the movie. Mm. I think it's way better than the original really and and maybe i need to watch the original again but i like this way better i think the costing it was all good choices and i i just felt more connected to uh who plays tony and still elgort i felt more connected to him than the other actors in the previous Mm. film Mm. and the most important number to me was america Mm. and they changed a few words, and I'm not exactly sure. I need to go look at why that might be. Mm-hmm. But one line I can recall is always the population growing, and they spoke about some sort of plant or flower or herb growing. So I, I'm curious to know about that. Maybe uh. it was offensive or something, and they decided to change it. I don't know. But the way they did that was great. Changing the lyrics was great? No, the performance of it was great. Ah, mm-hmm. very good. I don't really know what Spielberg brought to this. You know, oh. he's a very cinematic director. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, you see the laundry hanging across the alley in the apartment <laughs> building kind of thing that's so yeah. iconically West Side Story. And it felt to me like I know that the original one was like on a stage or a soundstage or whatever, you know, like they produced the it feels yeah. it feels very set like. Right. And I'm I'm sure they created the whatever you call it, the, the locations in this film as well. It feels similar in that regard. So for a lot of the movie, it felt like it was just a rehashing of beats from what i remembered was the original with a few minor changes i don't remember the other the original thoroughly Mm. but it seemed to me rita marino's character in this was new at least she was definitely more important Mm. than if that character existed in the original film. I mean, we're probably really pissing off theater people today in this episode. And I mean, I'm sorry, but this is the perspective we're bringing and it's important to hear different perspectives. Look, I'm going to reserve complete judgment against the original film until I revisit it and whether or not this is, I'm not especially going to say whether or not this is a better film. I do get the sense that this is a lesser film. You know, the original one I've come to understand is iconic for reasons. It's considered one of the greatest movie musicals of all time. This is not going to surpass its status. Mm. There's nothing here, I think, 
that is going to lead this film to surpass the status of the original film from 60 years ago. But once America, the, that, that number happens, yeah. I feel like that's when the movie finally comes alive. Mm. And there's a, there's a number after, shortly after America that was also, you know, like it just kept it going. And then before you know it, we're leading to the climax of the film mm-hmm. with the, the salt, whatever you call it. Well, it's the rumble. Fight. The rumble. Yeah. That, that, thank you. I want to give a shout out to Ariana DeBose. I am not familiar with Ariana DeBose. She played Anita. She was really great. Uh, yeah, she was. <laughs> she was fantastic. I was very impressed with her dancing, her singing, and her acting in this film. She is a triple threat. <laughs> and I really hope that we see more of this woman in the future. It was really nice to see beautiful dance and music. Uh, La La Land does not have beautiful dance. This does. It has beautifully shot dance, though. The choreo- the uh, cinematography in La La Land is ex- is You can just have beautiful. the cinematography, but yeah, we have cinematography and choreography. And the costume the design. The costume, Three Cs. The costume design in La La Land is also great. You know, this has... Now we're really pissing off the musical people. <laughs> some, I'm sure. The Jerome Robbins. I don't know who choreographed this film, but it really felt like... They did not want to deviate from the Jerome Robbins choreography of the original play, which was translated in the original film. You know, you have the flowing arms, the kicks, the spins, all that sort of stuff. It, it so it felt like like just like hey, let's honor Jerome Robbins and honor Stephen Sondheim. And really just stick with it. It even had Officer Krupke song, which actually surprised me. I was surprised because that is widely considered the weakest link in the entire song book as like the one that maybe does not age very well. And so I thought, oh, well, surely Spielberg's just going to skip Officer Krupke. But I think there's thematic reasons why Spielberg kept that in there. What's interesting about this story, revisiting it through this remake, is you see this is a the story about prejudice. This is a story about hate. This is a story about how tragedy can lead to prejudice and hate. This is a story about how these things, these problems in this community are much bigger than two people. And these two yeah. people cannot solve these problems by themselves. Yeah, you know, something we forgot to mention is there was there was the introduction of a trans man into the Jets, and that was pretty cool. That is true. That is one way this film kind of becomes more, uh, what's the word, contemporary, while still taking place in a particular time. Mm. So I don't think that there's any bad that necessarily outweighs the good in this film. But I'm not sure that it necessarily satisfactorily answers the question of should this have been remade? What do you think? I don't think it necessarily needed to be remade. The only thing that makes it contemporary, I guess, unless I'm really seriously missing something, 
which is entirely possible, is the introduction of a trans man. So, you know, if they had really, you know, upped it up, like maybe you can't dishonor the story, right? Ah, I don't know. And it's not like you can get away with retelling this in a different way. Like, you know, West Side Story is inspired, I believe, by Romeo and Juliet. It's not like you can have something inspired by West Side Story. So, right. I, I don't know why they remade it. I've So you don't think this film justifies its existence? I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I guess the good outweighs the bad. Okay. It introduces a new generation. And, you know, I'm just a white person. So maybe maybe this means something more to the Puerto Rican mm. population. Mm. And in that case, well, then fantastic. It should stay. Hmm. What do you score the film out of 10? I'd score it a 6. Until I see the original, I am going to reluctantly agree with you and give this film a 6 out of 10 as well. Until I revisit the original, I should say, and have a better basis of comparison. You know, this iconic film versus the version made by an iconic filmmaker. So... I don't know. Those are our thoughts, though, of West Side Story. A little bit lukewarm towards that film. Finally, one more review. Oh, we've been waiting for this one. And that is of Spider-Man No Way Home. It's always about home. Always. It's so confusing. Looking at No Way Home, Further From Home, Lego sets for Spider-Man. I'm so confused. Okay, so this is a movie that I'm not going to insert the trailer for. I'm not even going to read the official premise of this film. Actually, the the official premise of this film on IMDb is very similar to what ex- exactly what I was going to say. So, here we go. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed thanks to Far From Home, mm. Peter Parker asks Doctor Strange for help when a spell goes wrong things go wrong (laughs) forcing peter to discover what it truly means to be spider-man it actually does have a little bit that i skipped over there that i feel like is far more interesting to discover if you're able to through the movie Mm. the marketing and for this movie has been absolutely nuts just absolutely assaulting I, I I avoided the trailer because the press releases alone, the movie news around this movie alone, was getting fairly egregious in spoilers. Look, here's the thing. I know I'm going to go see an MCU movie. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to see a Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. okay? First of all, you don't really need to sell me on it, <laughs> right? And I'm willing to bet you don't really need to sell majority of the movie audience on a spider-man movie you know yes there's some detractors Mm -hmm. but overall people are going to see the next spider-man movie the next mcu movie whatever it is i would rather sit down in a theater and discover Mm. characters making appearances in that film 
rather than learn about it from a press release. Yeah. Okay. And my God, you had to be either a completely under a rock, a hermit that was only going to come out once Spider-Man came out (laughs) in theaters finally, or someone who was barely on social media and somehow avoided commercials or trailers or whatever in TV and other media in order to avoid major things being spoiled in this for this movie. Yeah, they really went hard on this one for some reason, and I'd, I'd love to know what what they were thinking because it really did feel like it was unnecessary. I mean, everybody fucking loves Spider-Man. It's like the golden child of Marvel. It's like the Wolverine of X-Men. If it's got Wolverine, people are going. If it's got Spider-Man, people are going. You don't need to oversell it. I think it's a great thing that you're not revealing anything. And I remember when we were watching Ghostbusters, that's when we I saw the first trailer, I believe, for Spider-Man. And I was pretty excited. But, you know, you had more than one thing spoiled for you. and Without seeing the trailer. Yeah, without seeing the trailer. And I actually would have preferred not knowing anything. But it's very difficult to do in this day and age, you know? Yeah, you were a much more submissive and like, all right, I guess I have to see this. Once it came up on screen and I was I was like, I'm going. I'm out of here. I, do you need anything? You you were like <laughs> me when it's the Eminem ad before the movie, you know? Right, yeah. So, okay. All that said, if you haven't lived under a rock, if you if you haven't really given two shits about spoilers, you probably know more than what we're saying about this movie. Mm-hmm. Normally, I have, we, we go by this this rule of anything that happens within the first 20 minutes of a movie or is shown in a trailer is fair game, and we, talk, we, we will mention or talk about those things. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to break that rule. We're, and I think, Shanna, you're following suit as well mm-hmm. to try to preserve the surprises that are in store in this movie, or at least things that are in store in this movie that should be surprises. Yeah, I think it's better if we just talk about how we felt about it. Okay, go ahead. I loved it. I have a hard time with Spider-Man movies. I feel like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 1 is king, unless I need to, I probably need to rewatch it and see if I still feel that way. Hmm. But that, I mean, that was the one that I connected with. I think I was 15 or 16 and there was no Marvel merchandise anywhere, not even fucking Spider-Man, which is obscure and weird because Spider-Man is freaking everywhere here. Hmm. And I was the girl that went and got a blue... Uh, ring binder and found spider-man pictures printed them out and collaged them on the folder to make my own goddamn spider-man folder so i always have a hard time when they reboot him because i'm like but toby is spider-man fuckers Mm, mm. so it's difficult for me so you haven't accepted tom holland yet after four movies I know that Stan Lee wouldn't admit to loving one child more than the other, but we all know it's freaking Spider-Man. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I have a hard time with it. And this won me, you know, I was okay with it. And okay. God, I wish we were talking spoilers, but <laughs> this is, this is the Spider-Man movie. That's probably now my favorite. Mm. I have to watch number one of all ones first. But this I, is the new I would one. submit that you need to watch Spider-Man 2 also again. 
Yeah, I think I like from that 2004 one a lot. because yeah. that thing is exceptional. Mm. So I really love this. It's it's my mother asked, can she go watch it? She hasn't seen Black Panther. She hasn't seen oh, good Endgame or Infinity Lord. War or anything. I didn't um, know that. No, just leave it alone. So, <laughs> and I said to her, yeah, go watch it. It's full of action and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of wonderful things that are happening in this film and you need to not go pee. You need to dehydrate <laughs> and not miss a single thing because the humor that is happening between all the characters is fantastic and the mm. the constant connection and desire to to make things better, you know, with these characters towards each other is beautiful and makes you believe in humanity again. And I just, it's a wonderful film. I got completely choked up in one scene and mm. it's just fan-fucking-tastic. And yeah, what, what do you want to say about it? What can you say about it? I think this, this film is extraordinary. I, I think it's... It, <laughs> Look, it is an absolute geek gasm of a film. <laughs> this is the kind of movie that growing up prior to the turn of the century, you if you were a comic book fan, if you fantasized about movies based on particular characters, there is no way in hell you would think a movie like this one would exist. Mm. Then you would just think, oh, yeah, right. Like, there's no way they could pull that off. Mm -hmm. We are in just extraordinary territory these days when it comes to comic book movies or superhero movies. Like, anything is possible. Literally. Anything can happen. Anything is possible mm -hmm. thanks to what the MCU is doing, particularly with Phase 4. Okay? It is kicking down the doors of what people are willing to accept. Mm -hmm. And it is doing it with a plum. It is kicking ass. So I absolutely love the story. I love what is revealed over the course of the film, how they get to the, the crux, what the inciting incident is and all that sort of stuff is fantastic. And I, I gotta give another shout out to Zendaya, man. Like, look, I haven't watched her HBO series Euphoria. Have you? You're big on HBO shows. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I haven't tackled that one yet. Okay, I haven't seen that. From what I understand, it's very different material from Spider Man. Spider Man Homecoming, though, was my first exposure to Zendaya, and since then, I've been like, this girl is awesome, and I absolutely love her. In this film, I love her relationship with Peter Parker. I am all in it and I am all for it. So, yeah, there's have to put that out there, first of all. And that's as specific as I'll get. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. I, there really I isn't much we can say. There is a sequence mm -hmm. in this film that is a fight in another dimension that is some of the most thrilling visually stunning and spectacular and trippy things I have mm -hmm. seen all year, if not in the entire MCU. Don't sit too close to the screen. Yeah. And go watch this in the theater, obviously. Lady agrees. 
I will also say, because we always fail to remember to mention this mm -hmm. to people who haven't seen the movie, yes. go through the entire credits. There are two scenes, so to speak. One after the, the first couple minutes, the more arty credits. And then the other is after the full scroll of credits. Watch them both. If you're an MCU fan, you're going to anyway. You know you, you're going to. You're going to want to. Mm -hmm. You're looking forward to what was being teased next. But yes, go definitely watch both because I think uh, you'll get a kick out of it. I'm not going to say anything more. Uh, <laughs> it is hard to talk about this movie. And I do wish we had time to do a full spoiler review. Maybe we can squeeze in in the future like a bonus episode where we go all in on talking about like all right we've if you want to hear our general impressions listen to this episode but now we're going to just go full-on spidey spoilers or something i don't know uh that would be probably satisfying for both of us my favorite mcu movie of the year we have had four mcu movies shanna this year and several shows uh yeah three or four shows also uh, we'll talk about one of those in one of the future episodes. Yeah, four of them. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Five. But, Five. Okay. This is by far my favorite of the four MCU movies this year. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and this film. How about you? Oh, boy. Um, I, I think Black Widow still has a special place for me. And, and so it would be Black Widow... And then this one, and then Shang-Chi, and then Eternals. Mm, I'm not sure how I'd, I'd rank them, because I do need to rewatch Black Widow and Shang-Chi. Mm. Uh, you know, I think I enjoyed Shang-Chi marginally more than Black Widow. Like, I thought, I think I might have had more fun with it. And Eternals is the lesser of the four, although I was very positive on Eternals, too. So this is by a mile. I, I just was extraordinary, and I cannot wait for may for doctor strange and the multiverse of madness which is the next chapter in the mcu mm -hmm. did you have any other thoughts you wanted to share well i just realized something i mean my mother doesn't you know hasn't been on top of all this the marvel movies for a long time for years and I just realized, like, she's the one that brings up Spider-Man. I'm sure she doesn't realize it's the same universe, but how interesting is that, that your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is so universal? Mm, yeah. So interesting. Uh, I love this film. Go you, watch it. Will you give it out of 10? I give it a 9. Yeah, same. 9. 9 out of 10. <laughs> Very enthusiastic about this film. Okay, so we're at the end of the roundup. Let's recap the Power of the Dog, when I finished, I was very lukewarm, too. I don't necessarily think Shanna will feel differently about it. Mm. Your, your mileage may vary depending on how much you appreciate Jane Campion. Keen Richard, we were both fairly positive about that film. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Maybe me more you than more. you. You more. You more. Okay. Red Notice. Mm -mm. both do not nope. recommend red notice you don't need to do that to yourself french dispatch go ahead were uh, were we on the same footing for french dispatch did we like that the same i think was that the first movie you loved 
Uh, you just a little bit more. Okay. But The Heart of the Fall is the movie you loved. Loved it. We both enthusiastically recommend you check that out on Netflix. A lot of Netflix movies between Power of the Dog, Red Notice, Heart of the Fall, and this film, Tick, Tick, Boom. I love the movie. I highly recommend it. Shanna? Yeah, that's a good one to check out. <laughs> okay. West Side Story, we're fairly lukewarm to. Lukewarm. And Spider-Man no way home i'm trying not to get that mixed up with far from home yeah no way home highly enthusiastic what is your favorite of the batch shanna oh in this 2021 roundup shit it's hard to put a marvel movie against anything that's not marvel Mm. look it it is Spider-Man, but if we take Marvel out of it, which I think is also fair to do, yeah. it's going to be harder they fall. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, No Way Home, absolute favorite. But I would say Tick, Tick, Boom, and then Harder They Fall are also favorites of mine. Hmm. Worst movie of the bunch for you? The one you liked by yeah. far the least? Probably Red Notice. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so that is our 2021 roundup. Before we talk about, well, well, first of all, I want to hear from you guys. Email us what you think about any of these movies that we talked about that you have seen, the gifts and review at gmail.com. Now, before we talk about the next episode, Shanna, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography. And you can find me on Flick Chart uh, with Spellbinding A. Fantastic. Go to thegibsonreview.com for all reviews, features, lists, and past episodes of The Movie Lovers. Also, follow on social media via Facebook.com slash The Gibson Review or Instagram slash The Gibson 99. I've been doing bracket polls. They're still doing bracket polls on film scores in honor of episode 118, which was our favorite film scores. We're learning about you and your favorite film score has been going decade by decade. At the time you're listening to this, we're in the middle of a bigger bracket of your favorite film score of all time. But recent winners was, let's see, uh, 2010's was Inception. Mm -hmm. Very close. Very odd, guys. Good win. Good win. Marginal win over the social network. I I agree with the the followers, yeah. Yeah, On Inception? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, both are great scores, but Inception's probably the best. Yeah, you're not a, a big fan of the social network score in general, though. It's good. To be honest. It's haunting and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the 2000s, uh, it's going to, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking myself. It's not Gladiator. But anyway, you can find the answer to that question by going to Instagram, the Gibson 99, and also participate in the bracket that is occurring at the time that you're hearing this to find out what your favorite film score of all time is. And also flick chart, the Gibson 99. You can find me there. Okay, so next time on The Movie Lovers. Holy hell, this year has gone by fast. Yeah, I mean, we've got, what, three weeks left? I mean, at the time of recording, we have like 10, 15 days left. Yeah, before the end of the year. We no, have... it's 14 days till Christmas. No, at the time of recording. Oh, shoot, it's nine it's days a... till Christmas. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's gone faster than you think. Yeah. 
Uh, so <laughs> our next episode, we will be cramming in between now and uh, when we record, trying to get in everything, uh, at least as much as we can, that's available to us to see so we can bring to you our 2021 in review episode, which will also include film faves 2021, our favorite movies from this year. So we'll tackle this year from a variety of different topics, a variety of different angles, as well as share our favorites. Look for that episode on Tuesday, January 4th. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.